Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Project Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to urge everybody to join us in Boston, February 19th and 20th at the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference. The website for that is www.northeastcannabisbusinessconference.com. Today, my guest is Ryan Hurley. He's the general counsel at Copper State Farms, which is the largest medical cannabis grower in the Southwest. And he's been working on Arizona's medical marijuana laws before they even passed. He had a lot of input on the ultimate rules that were developed. He was also an attorney for the Arizona campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. Uh, and the Committee to Legalize Cannabis for Adult Use in Arizona in 2016. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. I'm uh, excited to be here. So we have a lot to talk about, uh, but first let's uh, get to know you a little bit better. Let's learn about your background and your experience and what kinds of professional experiences you were involved in before getting involved in cannabis. Sure. So I've had a little bit of a winding road uh, to where I am today, but uh, started my undergrad studies in environmental science, uh, went to law school, and then out of law school, I did a lot of uh, real estate zoning, water law, environmental law. Uh, And then uh, right before I started working in the cannabis field, I was working in the solar industry, Uh, you know, heavily regulated and uh, highly controversial at the time. Mm. Um, Not quite as controversial as cannabis, but uh, but still pretty controversial uh, in Arizona, at least uh, with the utilities fighting it. So uh, Mm -hmm. I was doing that and uh, working on uh, with a bunch of the solar companies. And uh, I was. pretty adverse to some of the folks that were trying to go after solar uh, in Arizona on the on an elected uh, commission called the Corporation Commission. And uh, I spoke out against some of the candidates for that commission. And when they got elected, they told me I was no longer welcome to practice law at the Corporation Commission. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was uh, pretty, pretty shocking uh, that, you know, a difference of uh, opinion on policy would, would lead them to blackball me like that. But I guess that's uh, the way some politicians are. Uh, and uh, I was pretty fortunate, though. It was the same uh, ballot that the medical marijuana law was on. And uh, prior to the vote, I had gotten to know the campaign manager and uh, gotten to read the initiative and thought, man, this uh, if this thing passes, they're really going to need a lot of help to get it done. And uh, I'd been a, a consumer, um, you know, I, at the time, I, I didn't really know it, but I was a patient um, using cannabis to manage stress and, and migraines. And uh, <clears throat> I just decided uh, to kind of jump in it with both feet and, uh, you know, leave the solar stuff behind and, and hop into the cannabis field. And I'm, I was one of the only lawyers in Arizona that would be, uh, that was willing to touch it. So it worked out pretty well for me. 
Gotcha. Yeah, it's a pretty solid background, sure, in, in the environmental and, and solar industries. I, I definitely uh, feel supportive and, and optimistic about the future of solar. Um, and I wonder what applications that might have to the cannabis industry one day, actually. Oh, um, sure. You never know. Um, so so you kind of found yourself uh supporting the cannabis industry and movement on a state level um, and somebody who was already familiar with the plan on a personal level, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So currently um, you work with Copper State Farms as their general counsel. Uh, let's tell me more about that, how you got involved in that, that company, that, that farm, and what's yeah. going on with Copper State these days. Yeah, so prior to this, I was in private practice at a law firm called Rose Law Group, and I, I started the uh, uh, their, their cannabis practice group. I think it was maybe the second sort of cannabis-focused practice group in the country. Uh, so it was pretty exciting to build that up, and I was there for doing that for about eight years. Um, Copper State was a client of mine at the time. Uh, they kind of came into the, uh, into the, the viewfinder around 2016. And, uh, you know, I helped them uh, secure their first license um, and uh, they, you know, they, they bought a old uh, cucumber and uh, tomato greenhouse facility uh, in the town <laughs> of Snowflake that had been sitting bankrupt uh, for about 10 years. And uh, they, it was a very exciting opportunity because it's, uh, it's an enormous greenhouse and, and the uh, founders were, uh, you know, people that I very much respected. And so it was, a, it was a great opportunity when they asked me to come on, come on board as general counsel and leave my private practice behind. So I did that uh, about two and a half years ago now. Okay, so Copper State Farms, uh, they took over tomato cucumber facility and now are growing delicious cannabis for yes. <laughs> the state of Arizona. Fantastic. Um, and I, I'd like to mention you were recently elected to NCIA's board of directors, which is yeah. great. Um, and you were, you've been a long time NCIA member through these other companies too. So um, it's exciting yeah. to have you on the board. Uh, what made you decide to step your involvement up uh, to that next level and and run for a seat on NCIA's board of directors. Yeah, so I uh, I was uh, at Rose Law Group. We were actually one of the founding members of NCIA. I'm looking at my certificate that I have framed in my office right now. But... Oh, I love it. I love it when <laughs> members have their certificates framed on the walls and over the years they add to the collection. I, I love seeing that. Yeah, so I've got mine from 2011 and, you know, it was something I saw in the solar industry. Um, you know, that, that, uh, organized, uh, you know, organized response to, to regulation and threats was absolutely necessary, uh, in that industry, uh, to survive. And so I, I realized that how important it was going to be in the cannabis industry. And it was, so it was, it was really exciting, uh, to see when Aaron and, uh, Brian Vicente were, were getting this going. And I was really excited to be a part of it then. Uh, over the years, I've, uh, I've certainly, you know, encourage folks to join and tried to build a membership here in Arizona. I think I ran for the board one time a long time ago, but uh, <laughs> wasn't wasn't quite as well known as I am today. So um, I had a little bit more time on my hands too. Uh, you know, I've got a little, uh, a few, few, only one client now instead of a bunch of clients pulling me in a million different directions. So it's uh, a little bit easier. And then I recently uh, finished off 
Arizona Dispensaries Association. So that gave me a little bit more time to focus and thought I'd put my hat in the ring for uh, NCIA and I uh, was uh, honored to be elected. That's great. That's amazing. Thank you again for your involvement. Um, have you had a chance to attend our Lobby Days events in Washington, D.C. that we host every year? I have I have gone once. It was amazing. Yeah, uh -huh. I really it. yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was right when uh, Arizona had elected Ruben Gallego uh, from for for Congress, and I actually held the first cannabis industry fundraiser for a candidate here in Arizona, and it was his uh, his candidacy. So when he won, uh, it was very exciting. And my first lobby days, I got to go out there, and he actually stepped out of a committee meeting to uh, to shake a hand and, and take a picture with us. So it was uh, it was very fulfilling. That's great. And, you know, I've been with NCAA around about six years at this point. I started in January of 2014. So I've gone to just about every lobby days over the last five, six years. And, um, you know, it started probably with 100, 150 people when I was there. It has grown to 250, 300 NCIA members. Uh, we're, when we take that class photo on the Capitol steps, we're having to squeeze a little bit tighter together because we're getting, <laughs> getting to be a bigger group. But it really is great to see, um, you know, someone like you that's got perspective from the past. These members of Congress uh, used to be embarrassed or <laughs> or that you know they were even scared to talk to us or they would just laugh at us honestly yeah. so the the reactions over the years um, has definitely evolved and now their staff and and sometimes the member themselves are really sitting down for 45 minutes hour-long meetings sometimes asking a ton of questions of NCIA members and we provide all this information for them as well so that we have as many of the answers we need as possible and they get to see that we're normal, normal-ish, normal-ish. <laughs> we're kind of normal. All <laughs> we're, we're just like any other industry. Um, so it's it's great to have someone like you that's been involved on the, the campaign side um, as well as having a legal perspective and it's great to have you involved at this level of, of NCIA. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm hoping to open I can attend uh, lobby days this year. I'm certainly planning on it. And, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my message this time around will be slightly different. And it'll be, hey, we, we employ, uh, you know, upwards of 300 people in rural Arizona in a town that uh, was, you know, dr dr drastically economically depressed, uh, that lost a lot of industry, they lost a paper mill, mm. they lost a lot of farming, uh, they lost this facility 10 years ago when it went under. Uh, and so we, we're really excited to be able to bring high quality, high paying jobs to, uh, to rural Arizona and a lot of them. And that's not something that anybody else can really say right now. Totally agree. The, the job creation potential of our industry is, is really fantastic. Um, as, as long as we continue to, to legalize um, medical or adult use in more and more states, which 2020 is looking to be a pretty good year with, with a few things happening in state legislature and, and we'll see what happens in November as well. So yeah, we're, uh, we're looking good here in Arizona. I, I spent a lot of, uh, you know, working on the language of there are initiative that's collecting signatures right now. And um, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to be in good shape there. And uh, that'll enable us to add another hundred or 200 jobs up in Snowflake. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll be back to chat more with Ryan Hurley from Copper State Farm. Stay tuned. 
NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. I mean, that's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling. With the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Thank to Cannabis Comp. Oh, you got me again. All right. I got you again. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! Hey, we did it. We did it. Cannabis Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we're chatting with Ryan Hurley from Copper State Farms, also newly elected NCIA board member. Uh, So let's jump into this discussion. Let's Let's talk big picture with the evolution of regulations yay, in the cannabis industry. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you've been around a while. So what's your perspective on how everything is changing and evolving and, and just trying to keep up with it all being such a challenge? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really been mind boggling to see how fast things have evolved. I mean, you know, back in the early day, we were begging for anybody to take us seriously enough to regulate us. You know, <laughs> it was it was either, hey, w- you know, we think you're a joke. We're not going to even bother because you're not going to be here for a while. Mm. Or, or it was we don't want to lend any sort of legitimacy to the industry. So we're not going to regulate you. And back then we were we were begging for people to, to you know, to, to come in and help regulate um, because certainly, you know, part of the part of the transition here has been away from from black market into into the uh, legal market. So uh, regulation is the key to that. So I, you know, it's astounding to me that now, as I sit here, uh, you know, less than t- not even ten years after our not even nine and a half years after our law passed, and um, you know, we're dealing with things like uh, like OSHA and. Uh, you know, uh, immigration rules and uh, not, not just at the state level, but at the federal level as well. Uh, and it's oh, really, wow. really astonishing to see 
uh, sort of how the regulation has picked up, but uh, largely it's been a good thing. Um, I think that a lot of states have, have uh, maybe overregulated uh, <laughs> to an extent. I think you know? many people share that opinion with you. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Arizona was one of the first fully regulated states from inception. You know, we we had regulations basically at the very beginning of our dispensary program. And so it was unique uh, in that regard. But since then, I've seen, you know, other states sort of they just every single state that comes on after adds on and adds on and adds on. And then before you know it, they're, it's like they're treating us like we're, we're nuclear waste and, as opposed to a, a cannabis flower, you know. Yeah, that comes up all the time. The, the phrase cannabis is regulated more strictly and more heavily than plutonium. And, right. <laughs> uh, it, it is true. And, you know, I, I'm, I think most people understand that regulations exist not to be a burden or a pain to the business owner, but truly to protect the consumers and to protect the businesses that's why they're there but there there's so many things going on with these regulations for example because safe banking is you know i mean it's it's through the house of representatives in congress which is exciting but you know the the senate's a little bit busy right now so we're just kind of waiting for them to get around to it (laughs) Uh, but the, the around banking and just the amount of cash flowing through um, the cannabis industry is, I mean, NCIA has been working on banking for years. Um, so just the fact that these dispensaries and cultivators and manufacturers, and in some cases, analytical labs and beyond, struggle to get normal financial business services just creates a whole host of more regulatory issues oh, yeah. right oh absolutely and, and really that's the that's the ironic thing right is if it's if it's one thing that ought to be fixed and regulated it's that uh, and I, I understand that states don't necessarily have that that power to do on their own but man mm-hmm. I, I've seen that create more problems and more risk than anything out there uh, certainly certainly more so than track and trace on a uh, you know track and tracing every every uh, tenth of an ounce or gram or, or seed or whatever. I mean, I, I understand the desire to do that, but man, the, the risk is in the money, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Every single strawberry. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, and, and then quickly, I want to mention um, on the topic of consumer safety that our policy council here at NCIA in late January released our safe vaping policy recommendations paper in response to these respiratory illnesses. Um, So yet another reason why having regulated, you know, good legal players in the industry instead of the illicit market products, which could be dangerous, is another good reason for reasonable regulations right yeah absolutely and and you know the it's amazing to me that we haven't learned our lessons from alcohol prohibition you know Mm. (laughs) people were people were going blind back then because of bootleg alcohol uh people don't go blind now from alcohol (laughs) you know i mean there may be other issues associated with it but that's one thing that we were able to uh to do away with through legalization and regulation and uh you know i think that's uh that's playing itself out right now on the vape uh the vape issue as well and uh you know these these uh knee-jerk reactions to ban all vapes are are counterproductive agree agree uh so yeah moving on to our my next question here um you know a few years ago our industry was a lot of smaller businesses mom and pops boutiques and now there are kind of big sophisticated mergers and acquisitions and consolidations happening 
Um, so I'm curious what your perspective is on that, because I, I would like to see a balance of the boutique mom and pop alongside these, I don't know, big box stores, the right <laughs> way to call it, but it's, you know, these are very different models and I'm curious your perspective on it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, again, it's interesting, interesting to see how fast, uh, it's evolved. Uh, you know, back, uh, when I started, it was, uh, you know, mom and pop was, was, uh, uh, even a, not even a, a adequate way to describe it. It was shoestring bootstraps, you know, mm-hmm. partners, families, anybody that could get it going, uh, and, and trying to raise capital was, was pretty much impossible. Uh, fast forward to like a year ago and you've got, you know, Harvest and MedMen and Cureleaf going public with multi-billion dollar valuations. Mm. Uh, and then fast forward now a year and we're seeing that some of those uh, those situations like the MedMen situation is starting to fall apart a little bit. So I, you know, I think that there's plenty of room in this industry for, for both. Uh, I think consolidation itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think that scale can certainly provide certain benefits to consumers that, uh, that micro businesses really can't, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're able to provide product to consumers at a much lower price and a lot, much lower cost than others are. So, and that's due to our scale of our greenhouse. So, uh, you know, I mm-hmm. think that there's plenty of room in the space for both. I don't think that, uh, you have to consolidate. And in fact, until the federal regulations change, I think maybe there's some, uh, natural barriers in there to consolidation, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Until the, until the tech, taxes get resolved and until you can ship between state lines you don't get nearly the same kind of efficiencies you'd get with any other business so i think there's plenty of opportunity now for for mom and pops and boutique cannabis providers to, to flourish yeah absolutely um so speaking of your facility as a as a, someone who works for a cultivation facility uh we as an industry talk a lot about sustainability reducing our environmental impact while still having efficient business practices, given the limitations we just mentioned. But uh, what's going on at Copper State Farms to address these environmental impact issues and, and maybe some other trends you're seeing across the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I was excited about uh, coming to work here at Copper State was just the fact that we were using the sun to grow the vast majority of our cannabis. You know, that really wasn't happening here in Arizona uh, early on. It was largely indoor warehouse grows. And you can imagine what their air conditioning uh, bills were like in the summertime here in Arizona. I mean, it's 120 degrees outside. You're trying to cool inside, you know, much, much lower than that, and, and then blast the lights at the same time. So their, their uh, power draws were enormous. So just uh, just using the greenhouse and using the, the natural sun to be able to grow cannabis, I think was a, a big step in the right direction here. And uh, I think that's, you know, reflected in our lower cost. And uh, I think that's uh, helpful to the environment in general. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of other things I want to look at doing uh, beyond just that. Uh, you know, we, we are looking at adopting a, a solar system we have about 40 acres of blank land next to our greenhouse so mm. uh, there would be a, a definitely an option to do that um, there's some complexities on being able to capitalize on the tax credits I think and uh, certainly some priorities as to where we put capital but that is definitely in the long-term plan to do some solar up there and reduce our costs even more um, great because yeah, because windmills cause cancer so, <laughs> so you gotta go solar <laughs> 
<laughs> we actually probably could do a couple windmills up there. We have some decent wind as well. So, nice. uh, so that's definitely something that I'm looking at. Uh, you know, we finally have got uh, mandated testing coming to Arizona. Okay. So uh, I think that everybody will be uh, much more, much more, uh, uh, you know, paying much closer attention to what they're using to grow their plants and Copper State's in a pretty good position to, to be able to, to transition into that, that environment. So uh, I'm excited about that as well. Great. Yeah. Lab testing can be important if you're looking for, you know, even just balances of CBD, THC, different cannabinoids, as well as wanting to know that your cannabis is free from pesticides and molds and toxins exactly. and all that nasty stuff, yeah, especially if you're using it for medical reasons. Exactly. If it's, it's for particularly for medication and, and we've been doing it since the beginning. And I think most reputable businesses have in Arizona, but mm -hmm. there's been nobody to double check. So now, now we're finally, uh, we work together with the department of health services and with uh, some legislators, with the patients, with normal, uh, and, uh, with the dispensary association to finally get a, uh, mandated testing bill. And that kicks in, uh, in November. Excellent. Got it. All right. We're going to take our last commercial break and then we'll come back and wrap up our conversation with Ryan Hurley from Copper State Farm. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The cutting edge of cannabis. Consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we've been chatting with Ryan Hurley from Copper State Farms based in Arizona, also recently elected to NCIA's Board of Directors 
for the 2020 to 2022 term. Um, so it's 2020. I mean, there's a lot going on this year, but one thing going on is that NCIA as an organization turns 10 years old. Uh, we were founded in 2010 by Aaron Smith and a few other co-founders, and we're still rolling. Um, so one thing we're doing is talking to our members, talking to various people and asking them to reflect back. Where were you 10 years ago? And could you have predicted that the industry would look the way it does today? And then I have another question about the future, but let's start there with, with the, the looking back perspective. What are your thoughts around that? Sure. So it's, uh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, the effort to to put medical marijuana on the ballot here in Arizona was just getting started. Uh, they were just starting to collect signatures and our, our law got uh, uh, passed in November of 2010. So uh, 10 years ago, I was just, just getting <laughs> mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, you know, it was back in those days, it was, uh, you know, California was kind of on its own little island, but but uh, Colorado was really just starting to ramp up. And so it was exciting to see what was happening there. And uh, in combination with, uh, you know, President Obama being elected and, and uh, the Department of Justice taking a, a more hands off approach, uh, it was uh, it was exciting to think that Arizona could join that, that those ranks. But it was so early and, uh, you know, it was so uh, uncertain at that time that really nobody knew what it was going to look like. So it would have been, it would still be another four or five months before I started uh, really diving into it um, with the expectation that the path. So uh, I am uh, amazed that I sit here today, yeah. uh, you know, with with multi multiple multi billion dollar cap uh, public companies and. Uh, you know, being able to be general counsel at a, at a company, I, I never thought that would happen in 10 years. Yeah, totally. I can totally relate. I, I was been a medical marijuana activist since the early 2000s. Um, so going on probably 17 years at this point. And I was hmm. from the East Coast in Maryland, D.C. area. And I remember you know, bringing patients and doctors and nurses to just to get a hearing in Annapolis and kind of being mocked and looked down upon. And, you know, you know, um, how do we yeah. know it isn't how, how do we know it's not laced with PCP and like just very <laughs> interesting questions. Um, you know, fast forward for me, I would have been able to say, well, lab testing is what would show you there's right. no PCP and that costs extra typically. So, um, uh, so, all right. So looking forward, uh, if we look in our crystal ball and we're looking at the year 2030, hmm. which seems so far into the future, um, what, what do you think this industry will look like 10 years from now? Oh man, it's really, you know, I hesitate to make any predictions beyond a year in this industry. <laughs> uh, totally get it. <laughs> Even in a year, it's hard to be accurate, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we'll almost, we will almost certainly have had some sort of federal legalization yes. uh, or, or at least uh, decriminalization on the federal level, mm -hmm. uh, you know, within the next two to five years. So that's, that's the big one. And, you yep. know, that I think is going to affect us all in ways that we can't even really predict, but um, we're going to start to look a lot more like traditional business and um you know it'll just increase the consolidation as well and um you know i i i think that maybe uh the rest of the world will start to 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 uh, get on board as well even though they are in some some instances beating us to that today uh -huh. so 
Yep. Um, whether whether the U.S. will be a leader in this or not, I think remains to be remains to be seen. I, you know, we're we're definitely behind. But if uh, if we get federal legalization in the next two to five years, and uh, then I think we can make up that ground that uh, we lost to Canada, uh, and that we're starting to lose to the EU and uh, in the sense uh, South America. So I, I'm hopeful that uh, you know we'll we'll be able to look a lot more like a regular business in two to five years and use that expertise to expand uh, not just throughout the country but throughout the world. 100%. Yeah. Um, last year, NCA's Policy Council put out a report uh, specifically about how the global market is beginning to leave us behind in the dust because, because everything's moving so slow here in the U.S. So hopefully we can, we can speed things up. Um, we can fix banking. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get rid of 280E of the tax code to to um, to not include legal regulated cannabis businesses. Yes, that would be nice. That'd be great. <laughs> yep. Let's let's look into some interstate commerce. Uh, I know Oregon is chomping at the right. bit to get involved in interstate commerce. So, yeah, and you you can imagine with a forty acre greenhouse uh, on a major interstate, we are as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah, and yeah. you know the the other thing I think is going to be really interesting to watch is sort of the the involvement of, of the pharmaceutical industry and the FDA and the medical side of it. I mean, it, I think that is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it probably has some benefits and some drawbacks. <laughs> and I think that my, my estimation is that we'll probably start to see a, a split between, um, you know, what, what we affectionately call recreational now, which is really be uh, adult use, full herbal, you know, type of stuff. And then uh, more pharmaceutical single molecule or, or combination of a couple molecules, uh, you know, and regulated by the FDA in a, yeah. in a, in a more standard format. So Makes I think sense. that I think we'll probably see us, we'll start to see more and more of that split as big pharma starts to recognize the value of the cannabinoids. You got it. All right. Well, we have run out of time, but before we go, uh, I also want to encourage our listeners to check out our Cannabis Caucus series. If you're an NCAA member, uh, you can attend these at comp- complimentary. It is included in your membership. Um, and cannabis caucuses are exclusive to NCIA members this year. So it's a great time to join and become a member and hang out at these exclusive networking events happening in eight cities in the month of March, everywhere from Oregon to Illinois to New Jersey and other places. So um, we've run out of time, as I mentioned. Ryan, thank you for joining me on the show. Where can people find out more about Copper State Farms? Thank you. Uh, yeah, copperstatefarms.com uh, would be the first place to start and take a look at our Instagram. You can take a look at our uh, our uh, photos of our greenhouse. We just th- thankfully had one go viral that shows, uh, shows some pretty amazing uh, uh, sites. So take a look at that photo. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again for being on the show. And Thank thanks you. to everyone else for tuning into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.